Equestrian President and IOC member Ingmar DeVos. Welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Equestrian sport is one of the highlights of every Olympics. It's been a fixture at the Games since 1912. With Tokyo, Paris, and Los Angeles ahead, the sport should be an easy fit in all three cities, each with significant experience at hand. The International Equestrian Federation oversees the sport with 140-plus national associations, and it's about to celebrate the centennial in 2021. With some certainty, the president of the federation always seems to make their way onto the IOC, and such is the case with Ingmar DeVos, now into his second year as a member of the IOC, and our guest on today's Around the Rings Radio. Welcome. Hello, Ed. How are you? We're great, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. You're at FEI headquarters in Lausanne. Um, to get things going, just tell us a little bit about how you got involved. What's your background been that has led you to preside over this federation? Well, although uh, my grandfather was uh, very much involved in racing and had a, a racing uh, stable, that was not uh, what triggered me to sport. Uh, it was uh, one of uh, my my uh, previous, uh, I would say, bosses, Mr. Jackie Buchmann, who at a certain stage uh, uh, worked uh, or became uh, National Federation president. And this and, is uh, we Belgium. were already... Uh, that's in Belgium, exactly. And uh, we were already organizing uh, international uh, equestrian events uh, like uh, Nations Cup competitions uh, in, in Belgium, in our, in our little village in Capellen. And uh, then when he became president of the Belgian Federation, uh, he, uh, he asked me to become first uh, the, the director general and then uh, afterwards the secretary general. So I had a career of uh, around 20 years in the, in the Belgian uh, Equestrian Federation, uh, which was a, a very good learning school because it was uh, uh, allowing me to uh, learn all the aspects of the sport, uh, not only being an organizer, but also an administrator involved with the rules, but also uh, involved in big competitions as chef de mission and chef d'équipe in important uh, equestrian events, including uh, world, uh, world Championships, World Equestrian Games, and of course, the Olympics. And then uh, in uh, 2011, uh, Her Royal Highness Princess Haya, at that time the president of the FEI, uh, asked me to become her, her secretary general. And, uh, and that's where my career in the International uh, Federation started. And then in 2014, I was asked uh, to become the, become the president. And uh, I must say, uh, I'm, I'm still very happy and uh, we, I believe we are a very dynamic organization, and it's really an honor and a, and a pleasure for me to work for our sport. Yeah. Well, you are, interestingly, you're the first uh, non-royalty who's had this title for, for some time, I believe. How did that happen? Well, I think, uh, yes, uh, of course, I'm, I'm not uh, a royal, I'm not uh, a noble, <laughs> uh, but I think, uh, I think it clearly shows also that, uh, that sport and especially sports administration has evolved and uh, uh, as our organization also has grown and uh, become more and more professional, I believe that uh, uh, it is a, a natural evolution that uh, also the leadership uh, needs to become more and more professional. And uh, so that's, I believe, the reason that, that I'm here. Now, I would say that 
uh, looking. Uh, you are one of those who has a lot of experience in the administration and the operation of the sport, not just the political side of things. What is the difference between being Secretary General of the Equestrian Federation and now being President of the group? Well, I think uh, the, the biggest difference for me is that is the responsibility. I mean, when you are a secretary general, you are, I believe, uh, you are administrating, you are basically a CEO, a, a executing decisions. When you are a president, uh, I think you have more responsibility. You need to show more leadership and, uh, and give the directions where the organization is going uh, also from a strategic perspective. So it's uh, a less executive position it's a more uh, i would say political uh, vision uh, uh, position uh, and you need to to listen you need to communicate much more with your stakeholders you need to listen to them and together with them try to define the strategy and the vision for the future and it is a full-time position you do nothing else but be president I, I can tell you it's more than a full-time position, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it takes a lot, of, it, it absorbs a lot of time and, and energy, and uh, I must say I'm very grateful that I have a, a, a fantastic uh, a wife who allows me to do that, because they are still with my family, my wife and my children are still based in Belgium, uh, I'm based in Switzerland, and uh, we don't see each other as often as we uh, would like to, but uh, she's a, a great uh, lady and she really supports me in this position and you really need that in order to be able to, to do this kind of, uh, of, of uh, functions and jobs. And, and 2018 was a year that required a lot of your time and energy with the staging of the World Equestrian Games, the premium event on the calendar for the FEI every four years. Um, a lot of things went well, but uh, some things to to talk about there. Um, what is the stance of the FEI moving forward about the, are you thinking about? Well, first of all, let me say that uh, that we had great championships in uh, in Tryon. Uh, we had uh, fantastic qualifications for uh, the Olympic Games because uh, these World Equestrian Games are a qualification for uh, and the Olympic Games and, and the Paralympics. And that was uh, there we had, I believe, uh, one of the most fantastic competitions we we ever had. So that's uh, that's really very positive. Uh, I agree. There were some uh, some difficulties. Uh, we had uh, also a, a tornado uh, coming our way uh, called Florence, I think. Hurricane Florence. <laughs> that, that was help. yeah. That didn't help, but in the end, uh, we we took all the measures necessary uh, by postponing competitions uh, by one day and uh, and taking uh, all the measures necessary also not only for our athletes, especially for the horses, but also for for the public. So that I think uh, in the end we we can we can say that we have a positive balance from these uh, uh, World Equestrian Games. Uh, with regard to the future of the World Equestrian Games, I think uh, uh, we are a bit the victim of our own success. Uh, the sport has grown uh, tremendously. Uh, we have much more nations now involved in the sport at a higher level that are capable to participate at world championships level and also are capable to qualify for the Olympic uh, Games. So uh, there, the, the, the magnitude of, uh, of the event is becoming very big and, uh, and we took now a position that we are looking at uh, uh, opening a bidding process for individual world championships, still encouraging uh, combined uh, championships, of course, 
uh, and it doesn't exclude uh, for the future uh, the organization of uh, World Equestrian Games, including all the uh, equestrian disciplines in one event. But uh, we want to be pragmatic. Uh, we also want to respect uh, uh, the new norm, uh, as you know, uh, within the IOC uh, to, to have... Uh, uh, organizations that are sustainable, that are uh, healthy uh, financially, but also for the environment, etc. So uh, we believe with, with uh, now this new process of opening individual championships, but still uh, promoting a combined uh, events, that that's the right way to go and that it will be uh, a, a good uh, way to, to adapt uh, the, the format of our competitions to the growth uh, of our sport. Yeah, the World Equestrian Games are a much bigger event than the staging of the events in the Olympic Games. It's it's um, a, a very big. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, well depends, but we have around thousand uh, athletes and uh, more than thousand horses competing uh, at uh, at this event. And uh, you can imagine uh, if you have to bring uh, like uh, eight hundred horses uh, from uh, top horses, top athletes from Europe uh, to uh, to another continent. Uh, that's really a very big operation, and uh, and. Uh, uh, but we do that uh, regularly. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, something that uh, that we do. I must say uh, every week horses are traveling uh, intercontinentally by plane. But it's a big operation, and and we really believe that uh, by opening now a possibility for hosting uh, individual championships, uh, that that will uh, uh, improve even more the quality of uh, of the event. And again, as I said, allowing uh, everybody to participate as the sport has been growing. We see every time more and more countries and nations, uh, more flags uh, participating in our events. And that's why we need to be realistic and put it back uh, in, in the right proportion. How about 2022? Is there going to be a, a World Equestrian Games that year, or is that to be determined? Well, that's to be determined. Uh, we uh, we opened uh, at our General Assembly uh, in November. We opened uh, the bidding process, uh, where we are now uh, uh, asking for candidates to, to uh, pronounce themselves, and that will take place until the end of February, and then we will see. I know that there are uh, uh, nations uh, that are uh, looking forward to introduce a bit for World Equestrian Games again, but we want also to, to take our responsibility and, uh, and, and only allocate World Equestrian Games if it's really a sustainable, uh, a credible, financially healthy uh, organizations, and if, if that doesn't happen, then we will allocate it on a discipline-by-discipline discipline basis. Looking ahead now on sort of a speed dial basis to the upcoming uh, Olympic calibration going for the 2020 uh, Olympics in Tokyo for the equestrian. Well, I think uh, we can say that we are really very uh, happy with all these preparations and, uh, and, and everything is really on time. Uh, we are, of course, and, and that's maybe uh, also a very uh, good sign. Uh, it's, it's, it's the legacy from the 1964 Games because we will be back in uh, Bajikun in, uh, in the same venue uh, as uh, the previous, previous Olympic Games in, uh, in Tokyo. Uh, 
with the support of uh, of the Japan Racing Association, uh, the, uh, the the venue has completely been, uh, uh, I would say, refurbished, uh, re- re- renovated. It will be a great venue with a great legacy for the equestrian sport uh, in the future also. So uh, we are really uh, very enthusiastic about uh, the Tokyo uh, uh, bit and the, and the Tokyo Games. Is heat an issue for the, uh, as it is now? Well, Yes, of course. I mean, uh, our uh, our our horses are top athletes, and uh, and and heat is of course uh, an important uh, parameter uh, in the performance. Uh, but I must say that uh, we have uh, all the uh, the necessary measures in place. We are used to uh, to this kind of conditions, uh, as you probably know, uh, as you are based in Atlanta uh, since 1996. Uh, for the Atlanta Games, we have these uh, wet bulb globe temperature index, uh, which measures the temperature, the humidity, uh, the solar radiation, directly, indirectly, the wind. And uh, we have uh, all these parameters in place to monitor the situation and then to take the right decisions. Uh, but since uh, Atlanta also, we have uh, a lot of measures in place for cooling down the horses uh, with fans, uh, with ice, with uh, with all uh, the necessary tools to 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 preserve uh, and and to make sure what is our first priority is that the, the horse welfare is uh, is uh, secured. So uh, uh, no, we are very confident. Uh, it's absolutely feasible to do it. Also, to mention maybe that uh, we already decided a long time ago to have uh, the competitions uh, in Bajikun uh, in 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 the evening, uh, like we did also in Hong Kong uh, with floodlights. And then the cross-country day uh, for the vending uh, uh, will will take place early in the morning uh, and will be finished uh, around 11 o'clock. So uh, all these measures have been taken in order to preserve the welfare of our uh, athletes, uh, uh, equine athletes, and also human athletes, of course. Yeah. We're talking with Ingmar de Vrede. Paris will follow uh, Tokyo in 2024. Uh, a, a, another classic venue for the sport with uh, history behind it and uh, and legacy for for equestrian sport you must be looking forward to paris as well well absolutely and uh, i must say that uh, uh, france of course is the number one country uh, in our uh, organization because it has the most number of international events most number of uh, registered uh, athletes and and horses so it's uh, it's uh, a country with uh, 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 incredible uh, uh, history uh, of of a christian sport and, and many championships and many champions uh, so we are really looking forward to go to Paris, and uh, and the venue will be extraordinary because uh, you remember maybe in the London Games we were uh, in front of the Queen's House. We had this beautiful backdrop. We will have now uh, uh, the, the the Chateau de Versailles, uh, the Versailles uh, Castle as as backdrop for our venue, which will be fantastic. It will be also a venue that combines all the disciplines together. So it will be one venue for, uh, and also the cross country will take place in the park of Versailles, so we are really looking forward to a great Olympic Games in Paris. And Los Angeles, what does it mean to be able to look ahead 10 years from now and realize where your sport will be? Uh, big big help? Does it uh, 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 make it easier for you to plan? 
Well, absolutely. And uh, and also in the United States, you know, we have a very great uh, equestrian tradition there. People really understand the sport. We have a huge fan base there also. So for us, uh, it will be great uh, to, to, to be in Los Angeles. And, and of course, I think uh, uh, the IOC made a very uh, uh, clever, uh, intelligent uh, decision by allocating these two games and not to lose one. Uh, to Paris and to uh, LA, which will allow us also to plan and to work together with the organizing committee to also implement uh, the uh, the uh, recommendations of uh, Olympic Agenda 2020 and the new new norm. So uh, we are really looking forward to to work together with the with the organizing committee. We have also in-house uh, departments uh, which is called Games Operations. So we are really uh, actively supporting the organizers in uh, in in making uh, an event that's really sustainable, uh, that is taking into account all the modern criteria and parameters that need to be considered. And four years from now, the Youth Olympic Games will go to Africa for the first time, to, to Senegal, which certainly must be um, new, new, new grounds, if you will, for equestrian sport. Um, we don't think of Africa or Senegal as a, as a, as a venue for equestrian. Uh, what does it mean? for your sport to have youth Olympic Games in Africa like this? Well, first of all, I think uh, it's great. It's time for Africa. Uh, we are working uh, very hard also with our solidarity department to uh, promote the sport in Africa. We see also their uh, growth. Uh, we, have, uh, we are very happy to have a, a very active national federation in Senegal. Uh, we are already uh, in discussion with them how we can help them to, uh, to, to organize this event, to promote this event. And I'm going there uh, uh, beginning of January. Uh, I have an appointment uh, with uh, the National Olympic Committee, with the National Federation of Senegal uh, in Dakar to, uh, to visit uh, the venue and to see how we can help them to organize this event. So I'm very confident uh, that uh, it will be uh, a great event and it will be uh, hopefully also a boost for equestrian sport uh, in that region, but I have to say we have already uh, big events uh, in Africa, so uh, it's not new for us, but uh, Youth Olympic Games, of course, uh, uh, need our speci- special attention because we want also to use this event really as a, as a booster uh, to the, in the region and in the continent of Africa. So we are looking very forward to this. The, 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 the world of sport, Olympic sport in particular, is dealing with a very difficult issue right now safe sport instances of sexual harassment um all federations are being becoming involved in this have to become involved with this um can you talk about what safe sport means for for fei what kind of work your federation is doing in the realm to protect the the safety of athletes Well, I must say, uh, first of all, uh, regretfully, it's uh, something that happens uh, in our society and uh, in in all fields uh, of our society and regretfully also in sport. Uh, and that's why it's important and it's a part of, I believe, real good governance is to have uh, the necessary protocols in place to, to address these issues. We have already uh, for uh, many years uh, our uh, Equine Community Integrity Unit, which is an independent body where people can report, uh, where they can uh, uh, address uh, even anonymously uh, their, their concerns and, and, and that's really uh, taken up. We uh, 
We have also uh, just at our General Assembly voted uh, a, a new athletes uh, safeguarding policy. And, uh, but I don't think it's enough to do this as an international federation. Uh, what we are doing now uh, is really promoting this and, uh, and supporting our national federations uh, to implement these policies to have also the, these mechanisms in place because it's, it's maybe sometimes taking place in international events, but the basic, uh, it, it, it's done uh, at, at, at the national uh, level, and uh, that's why we need to support our national federations to implement uh, a good policy, to have the protocols in place, and to be actively involved in fighting uh, these, uh, these kind of, uh, of, of situations. Does the... Does a federation have any kind of control or uh, influence over the national federations? Can you, can you discipline a federation if there's serious problems? Well, I mean, we, we certainly could, but uh, I think uh, it starts always with education. And uh, what we need to do uh, is to make our federations aware of this uh, and, and to actively support them. Uh, and of course, if in the end uh, a national federation would not uh, implement this, but it's also uh, related to good governance. I mean, if a national federation has no good governance, uh, then of course in the end there need to be sanctions. But we, we need to start with educating them. And that's also why we are uh, uh, planning a, a program uh, of good governance uh, to filter it down to our national federations because they they need to be educated first and, and I believe uh, we need to have uh, a kind of a shift of mentality uh, in some parts of the world even shift of culture to uh, and, and we need to to support them to actively promote that shifts in culture are not so easy to accomplish or they they don't happen overnight that's for sure um what is the IOC's role in all of this? You know, what, what kind of uh, 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 influence will the IOC have in creating safe sport worldwide? Well, I believe uh, the IOC is, uh, is really a, a leader in this and, uh, and has shown leadership because they have uh, done a lot of work uh, in this field. Uh, which they have shared uh, with the uh, international federations, but also with the national Olympic committees. And I must say that when we developed our uh, policy and, and, and our uh, protocols, they were mainly based upon the work that was done uh, by the international Olympic committee. So I really believe that the IOC has shown leadership in this and has taken its responsibility to, uh, to educate, uh, like we have to educate national federations, to educate international federations and national Olympic committees. So I really believe that the IOC has been uh, has been a leader in this. I remember uh, that uh, that in, in Buenos Aires uh, there was a, a, a fantastic session uh, on under this uh, 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 subject, and uh, it was really a. Uh, uh, opening a lot of minds and, uh, and making, creating a lot of awareness. So I really believe that the, the IOC is taking leadership in this. Uh, you were talking about the Olympism in Action Forum that was held in yes, uh, Buenos exactly. Aires in, in October. The verdict is still out on whether to continue these, these forums, these gatherings. Uh, what, what, what's your idea about whether there should be additional forums like this? Well, I'm, I'm certainly supporting this uh, because I think what is so important and, uh, and, and what I 
especially liked about this uh, Olympism in Action Forum is the, to connect with the community, to connect with the broader, uh, uh, yeah, with the, the, the broader sports uh, uh, community, and and to have uh, to listen to people. That's very important. I mean, uh, does the IOC the get IOC out of touch? Well, no, I think uh, they, I mean, by organizing them itself, uh, by themselves, they show clearly that uh, they are committed to communicate with the community. And I believe this is also something I or we in the FEI try to do with our community, with, uh, with having our annual sports forum. So I really believe it's, it's important to have these gatherings, to listen to the people, and even if they are critical, you, you need to listen to them and you need to address the, the things. Uh, you cannot live uh, in a tower of ivory somewhere in uh, Switzerland in the mountains. So uh, I, I really promote this and I, I really love uh, the idea of forums and uh, we are also doing this uh, in our federation and I believe... Uh, uh, we are quite, uh, 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 what would I say, on top of these things and quite uh, unique uh, when you compare it with some other uh, federations. And as an IOC member, you're also on Technology Commission, which I guess takes a look at future. What does the IOC, what does the Equestrian Federation need to learn, need to do about digital and technology issues? Well, I think uh, uh, first of all, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm just uh, 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 appointed for this committee, so I need to have my first meeting in uh, in January. But uh, digital uh, is very important uh, for the sport, and uh, we also identify that in Equestrian. I mean, it's a fantastic tool to promote our sport. As you know, we are uh, living in a very competitive world where we are not only competing with other sports, but also with other forms of entertainment. And uh, if we want to uh, consolidate our position and even increase our fan base, we need to do that through uh, digital channels uh, with uh, new technology, which uh, better explains our sport, which makes it easier to understand, uh, hence also the reason that we changed our Olympic format. But I believe if you want to connect with the future, and the future is the youth, you need to do that through the media uh, the youth is using, and, uh, and digital and technology uh, are, are tools to do that. We would not have been able to follow the World Equestrian Games every day from Atlanta or other places without that digital te- technology. It was uh, exactly. Um, exactly, and, and the way the way people are consuming uh, uh, sport and, and entertainment in general uh, has completely changed. I mean, I'm still for the generation that looked at television, and, uh, and television was only there when when they broadcasted it. But nowadays, uh, people they are watching. Uh, uh, television on their smartphones uh, they watch it when they want to watch it so it's a completely different world it has changed and uh, we need to follow these uh, these these trends these new trends in uh, consuming uh, 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 sports and 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 we are investing a lot in this also in our organization to uh, to be on top of it and to attract uh, new fans and to attract the youth and to uh, to explain our sport better and uh, to make it uh, enjoyable for everybody and how about the olympic channel well i think uh, the olympic channel uh, is is uh, is a very good initiative to promote the sport and to give a broad platform also to many federations that do not always have the means to promote their sport through their own channels so I think there also the IOC is uh, providing a very good service 
for uh, for for the sports and for the international federations that have not always the opportunity to promote their sport because they just don't have the means so i think uh, it's it's a great initiative and it uh, it uh, i hope it will develop in the future and that it will uh, gain importance uh, and and that it will uh, increase has also an increased uh, viewership well, it's been a great pleasure talking with you today, Ingmar DeVos. Uh, great, uh, great conversation about Australia and the Olympics here. Thank you very much, Ed. It was really a pleasure, and, uh, and I wish you all the best, and uh, also to all your listeners, uh, good luck, and uh, we are looking forward to a great year and a great Olympic Games in Tokyo 2020. Yeah, Happy New Year to you and your colleagues. and, uh, and- Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. For 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.